This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Good morning. First reading is from Acts, first chapter. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go into the uncircumcised men and eat with them? And Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance, I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord. For nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us in the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, They were silenced, and they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Holy wisdom, holy word. Second reading is from Revelations, the 21st chapter. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God, and they will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. 
for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The Gospel according to John, the 31st chapter. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. The Peter that we encounter in our first reading today seems a different man, a different man than the one that we knew before the crucifixion and resurrection, the one who was all fire and mouth, the one who seemed to be the stunt double for all the other disciples, the one constantly leaping out of boats, diving into tombs, brandishing his sword. The one always thinking second and speaking first. The Peter we find in today's reading seems a much gentler, slower, more humble man. He's just come back from the house of Cornelius, where he was called to come and preach the gospel. You may remember Cornelius was a Roman centurion who in a vision was told to call and bring Peter to his household while Peter had a vision of his own. A vision in which a sheet was lowered down out of heaven, filled with all sorts of animals, there in front of a Peter who was very hungry, but as if to mock his hunger, all of the animals in the sheet were considered unclean by Jewish dietary standards. 
They had strict rules as to what they could and couldn't eat. Stuff having to do with cloven hooves and chewing the cud and... uh, Well, in general, they couldn't eat reptiles. They couldn't eat animals of prey. They couldn't eat snakes or eels. And so Peter is offered a whole sheet full of these things. And God says, take and eat. To which no doubt a somewhat baffled Peter responds, uh, no, no, I'm glad you know the story. No, um, God, uh, I'm, I'm, we're not allowed to eat these things. So God says, oh, and pulls the blanket back up and drops another blanket down for him filled with all the same stuff. He says, in that case, take and eat. To which Peter says, I can't. Third time, take and eat. And Peter says, Lord, nothing unclean has ever passed my lips. I cannot. And then God gives him that zinger. Do not call unclean what I have called clean. And so this chastened Peter goes to the house of Cornelius not with rules and instructions but prepared to listen and watch. And what he hears and sees there transforms his understanding of what is clean and unclean. But now as Peter comes back to Jerusalem, back to the mothership, he is walking into a firestorm because the faithful back home have heard that Peter has been hanging out and eating with Gentiles, the uncircumcised, the unclean. And before we are too quick to jump on board and judge these home folks, just think a moment what that word circumcised means. These were the ones who had committed themselves to following God. These were the ones who had participated in what psychologists call the costly ritual, to show that they are true believers. These are the ones who carry in their flesh the mark of their faithfulness, let alone in the actions that they perform and the words that they say. Peter's going to these Gentiles is a bit like a kid in the catechism program showing up on the day of catechism, having gone to no classes, and saying, all right, what are we doing here? Here we go. Or like that 
that nightmare you have when you signed up for a class and forgot about it and didn't go to any of the classes or take any of the exams. The only difference is you're not going to flunk. You get the pass. Little wonder that they are annoyed at the idea. But Peter does not argue. He does not go to battle with them. This newly humble Peter simply says step by step what happened. He recounts the vision that he has. He recounts the people that he met and what he saw and heard there. Jesus said, well, Jesus came to these disciples in the upper room on Pentecost and he sent them out to proclaim the good news. At which moment, Peter gave a sermon. And we're told it must have been a heck of a good sermon because a zillion people converted that day. And then he goes to the house of Cornelius where he gives another briefer sermon which results in the Holy Spirit descending upon these Gentiles. And now, here at home, he gives a third yet shorter sermon. And by the way, I gotta say, as someone whose job is to preach, these are really lousy sermons. There's, there's no humor, there's no unexpectedness, you know, there's nothing to make someone go, ooh, I never saw it that way before. He just simply lays it out. And here we may perhaps <laughs> miss the real miracle in this story. So fixated are we on the Spirit coming to these Gentiles, we miss the even greater miracle of what happens when he comes home to Jerusalem. Because before he was preaching merely to the skeptical, now he is preaching to the overtly hostile. Before he was preaching to people who weren't sure what they believed, now he is trying to change the view of people who know exactly what they believe. And that's a much harder task. That's why it is that most often congregations that attempt to uh, do a reinvigoration, that attempt to redefine themselves, end up failing. Because there's already that sense of who they are and what they believe. It's always easier just to start a new congregation. But no sooner does Peter give this brief one paragraph account of what he saw and heard, then all the homies just go, oh, well, apparently God has now given the gift of repentance that leads to salvation 
to the Gentiles too. Now that's a miracle. God has crossed the line. The Spirit has crossed a line. We seem very good at trying to keep lines in the sand. But every time we do, the Spirit has an annoying habit of sailing right over those lines. Maybe that's why the Spirit is depicted as a dove. Because it is not earthbound. It does not have to move by our roads or cross through our gates. It simply flies where it wants to go. And we see this again and again through Scripture. Jesus talks about the Spirit who, like the wind, comes from we know not where and goes where we know not where. All we can do is feel its presence when it is here. In the story of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery, we are told that Jesus squats down in the sand and writes something. And in one of the most infuriating passages in Scripture, we are not told what he wrote. Perhaps it was that he wrote nothing. Perhaps in that moment he was simply erasing that line in the sand that had been placed there between the accusers and the accused. Because is that not what he did with his words when he said, let the one who has no sin throw the first stone? In that brief sentence, he put them all in the same box. He put them all in the same line the recognition that there is no real line. There is only us. The Spirit soars over the lines that we would establish. In an eerie similarly, in an eerie similarly, in a similarly ear, in a story that was similar. One of the greatest preachers I have known and one of the people who has the best hold on the gospel of any person I've ever met, after the events of 9-11, traveled to Washington to participate in a uh, uh, ecumenical service of prayer to lift up prayers for the victims of that tragedy as well as for the state of this broken world in which events like that take place. And when he returned back to his hometown, rather than being praised for the comfort that he had brought and his ability to bring the gospel into the rubble, into the settling dust of that tragedy, he was instead disciplined for praying with people outside the faith. 
we love to draw lines. But maybe if we want to understand our faith better, if we want to understand ourselves better, and if we want to understand the work of the Spirit, which is the ongoing presence of Christ, better, perhaps we would be well served to spend less time looking across lines and glaring at each other and instead looking at Jesus, the one that we profess to be the living incarnation of our God, the one who we profess to be the gospel personified. And in this one, we find one who constantly stepped over lines to eat with tax collectors, to hang out with sinners, to seek out the unclean, the sick, the ostracized, the despairing, whose ability to cross lines extended even to his descending across the line of death into hell itself. And then crossing the line back again into life to show us, to tell us, and to drag us across that final line that would confine us, the line of our own mortality and fear. This one calls us to look at each other differently. Not as different, but as the same. Not as a part, but as one of the great unity that we become as we become the body of Christ, the one body of Christ, no more able to be divided than a head can be taken off of our shoulders. And so we are called to step across boundaries, to find any of those who for whatever reason would be kept away from the good news, whether consciously or unconsciously, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Our place is with those on the other side of the line. And when we hear the gospel week after week, when we are fed with bread and wine and become again that one body of Christ, perhaps our sight becomes a little sharper to see those lines that we have drawn and to step over. Amen.